Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. know that uh, today was a rainy, dreary day, and it may have been tempting to say, you know what I want to do tonight is curl up in a ball on my bed and with my fluffy blanket and watch some Netflix, and instead you're here. So I'm thankful that you came, that you're here. Uh, always good to be with you, and uh, Yeah, you guys know, most of you that have been here, that we've been going through the Gospel of Mark this semester, and uh, the semester's about halfway over, by the way, so give yourself a pat on the back for getting about halfway done with a college semester, and uh, we're getting uh, into the heart of the Gospel of Mark, and uh, tonight we are looking at this passage of uh, this miracle Uh, That's actually in all four of the gospel accounts, Jesus' feeding of the 5,000. And so uh, let me read it for us, uh, and then we'll take some time to examine it. So I'm reading from Mark 6, starting in verse 30. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate, desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the 12 baskets, took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Now let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come from many places tonight. Uh, Many of us are weary and tired. Uh, Many of us are uh, disheartened and uh, lonely. Some of us are encouraged and energized. Uh, Some of us, we we just come from all kinds of places. Uh, Some of us from places of faith and others from places of doubt and no matter who we are and where we come from tonight we pray that you would apply your word to our heart and make us different Uh, guide us we pray in christ's name amen so one of my favorite 
parts of my job that I do leading this group and being on campus all the time is the opportunity to sit down with you guys and hear about what's going on and uh, walk with you through the ups and downs of life. I love doing that. And uh, one of the things in doing this job for as long as I have is you start to know like more than the students sometimes about like the courses that are hard and the tests that are like especially hard. And, um, and one thing I've found out in my years of talking to students like you guys is that like uh, certain majors have weed out classes that like everyone is just like pulling their hair out over. And so like, for instance, if you're pre-med, yeah, you're freaking out about organic chem probably and one and two or biochem. And these are these weed out classes where a lot of people who think they're pre-med get to them and they're just like, you know what? No, thanks. Like I'll pick something else. Uh, which is fine to do. You know, plenty of people do this. Or in engineering, and there's math classes that are, you know, you get to differential equations maybe, and you're just like, you know what? I'm going to do something else with my life. Uh, you know, because you're like, is this worth it? This, I hate this. Some, some of us are like this. Uh, so I'm out, you know, I'm done. And that's a fine thing to do in pursuit of whatever major you want to do. Uh, But our approach to God, I think, is often similar to that, uh, where the idea of following God initially sounds great, serving him with our lives. And it sounds great until it gets really hard or following God begins to have a cost Uh, or serving him and loving him and others in the way we're called to do is so challenging that we begin to worry maybe like, is God just going to demand more and more of me? Like how much can I take? You know, what about what I need? Uh, And it's this point where we're tempted to throw in the towel with God and say, you know what, I'm going to prioritize other things. Uh, I'm going to commit my life to something else. Or, you know, if you're not a Christian, maybe you think you, you approach this idea of, Jesus' call and think like, you know, how, how can I commit to this? Like, how can I give my life to this? And that's where Jesus' disciples are at the beginning of this passage uh, because they've been working, it says they've been working really hard. So uh, what has been going on is Jesus sent out these disciples or apostles, as they're called, uh, those who are sent, uh, to do ministry work. So the work of telling, going out and telling people about God's kingdom. And they've been healing people and doing lots of great stuff. And yeah, even Jesus acknowledges here that they need a break. Like they've been working hard. And in this story, when they try to get away, they can't. Uh, so imagine these guys are dead tired. It, said they, it says they didn't even have time to eat. And they finally get away. And they're totally drained. And they're on this boat headed to the other side. So they were on one side of the lake and they're kind of escaping by going to the other side. But as, they, as the shoreline comes into view, what they notice is that every, all these crowds of people that they've been serving are, have just run around. They've run from all the towns to where they're about to get off the boat. They're all clamoring uh, for help, uh, for, to be led, uh, to be served by these men, uh, Jesus and his disciples. And uh, I want us to think about what it was like for these disciples. And I want us to think about the question of, like, how can following Jesus, truly living for him, be worth it? Uh, What is it about Jesus that can make us lose ourselves and follow him wherever he might take us, uh, regardless of the difficulty? And what I want us to see tonight is that Jesus offers us 
uh, three things that we see in this passage. Uh, he offers us, the first of all, the freedom to be inadequate. He offers us the care of a faithful shepherd. And he offers us true rest in his work. So the freedom to be inadequate, the care of a faithful shepherd, and true rest in his work. So the freedom to be inadequate. Uh, in the story, they, they go ashore on the boat, Jesus and his disciples, and, and Jesus begins to teach this crowd of 5,000 people, and it gets late. And the disciples are probably thinking, like, all right, it's dinner time. Let's get out of here. Uh, let's send them away. Uh, and instead, Jesus surprises them by saying, no, you give them something to eat. And they respond sarcastically. They're like, yeah, okay. Like, let's go to the ATM down there and get $50,000 and feed this group, is essentially what they say. Uh, so they're sarcastic to Jesus, and, but yet Jesus responds simply. He says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they find out they have five loaves, and there's also two fish, and a miracle happens. Jesus feeds 5,000 people through these disciples. And I want us to take a time out here because you may be thinking to yourself, like, okay, did this miracle really happen, though? Uh, couldn't it just be like a fable or a legend? And that's what a lot of some uh, scholars say. You know what, this, what really happened in this story is that it was the triumph of sharing. So what happened is that uh, people reached into their, in their coat pocket and said, oh, I have a Pop-Tart in here. And in other words, someone said, I have a bag of peanuts in this pocket. And, and they all pooled their resources together and they had a feast because uh, they all realized that they could spare something, uh, which is, would be a nice sentimental story. But the problem is that the text, it doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense with the text uh, because, like, the people who told this story in this text were the ones who said it couldn't be done, right? Like, the disciples were like, we can't, like, Peter was there. He was the one who, like, told this story. If you were going to tell a story like this, you would say, like, and we all shared, and it was great, and we learned to share, right? You wouldn't, like, it's portrayed in this story as a miracle. Whether or not you believe that miracles can happen is another question, but what we have to deal with in this text is that it's portrayed as an actual miracle uh, performed by the most unlikely, unqualified people, people who thought it couldn't be done. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a job, a pretty good job uh, for a high school student. I was a flower delivery boy. Uh, so I drove the van around uh, the streets of central and northern New Jersey, spreading joy and cheer by giving people flowers. And I remember I started in February, uh, and I remember that because my second day on the job was Valentine's Day, which is not good if you're inexperienced. So what, essentially, like, you have to picture, like, this is before GPS, so it's me, high school version of me. I've got, like, the booklet full of maps where you, like, look up the street name and the index in the back, and it gives you, like, this quadrant on the map where you need to, like, uh, find the street, and then, and so, like, I made all these mistakes, like, you know, I would go to, like, one town and make this delivery, and then I'd go, like, 
you know, 30 minutes to another town. And then I'd be like, oh no, the next delivery is like right back where I was like half an hour ago. And essentially what happened on Valentine's Day is I ruined like 12 people's Valentine's Days because it was all dependent on like, you know, flowers are going to come at six and then we're going to go to dinner at 6.30 or something like that. And so like when I got back at the end of this, like the worst night of my life, uh, scrambling. I had no clue what I was doing. I get back to the flower shop to find out that like several people had called and been like, you ruined Valentine's Day. And uh, I, it was so bad because it all fell on me. Like the weight of Valentine's, like these people I don't even know, like their Valentine's Day, the weight of it fell on me, high school me. Uh, and in the same way, following Jesus can be miserable if you think it depends on what you bring to the table, right? I think we feel that. It can, feel, it can be miserable to follow Jesus if you think it depends on what you bring to the table. Uh, Jesus wants to turn our weakness into his strength. And what this story shows is you don't have to be adequate for the task. The disciples are like doubting it can be done and they have nothing But Jesus simply asks, well, what do you have? And then Jesus goes to work, and he's happy to use what they bring. And this should give great hope to those of us who feel inadequate to serve God or to be used by him in some meaningful way. Because the message for those of us that consider consider ourselves followers of Jesus is that he'll work through you despite the fact that you are inadequate. Like, think about what sets us apart from those that we might serve. Like, you know, uh, people on this campus need to have faith in Jesus. And uh, the problem is I struggle with faith in Jesus, right? Or sometimes I talk with you all about things like, you know, developing the discipline of reading God's word, the Bible. And the hard part about that is like, I still struggle with that. And so we're talking, like I'm, I'm teaching and I'm guiding and trying to lead in this way, but I'm inadequate. Uh, there's a really good Christian thinker, writer, uh, mostly from the 20th century named Francis Schaeffer. And he used to lead groups that were like doing ministry. And he used to say to them, he'd say, what we're doing isn't difficult. It's impossible. You see, God makes it happen. There's no like you know, upper level that you get to where God then starts to use you. He uses inadequate people. Uh, So if you're a Christian here tonight, what you need to hear, first of all, is Jesus is calling you into the work of ministry, no matter who you are. Uh, Ministry meaning showing Jesus to people, loving people in Jesus's name, expanding God's kingdom in this world. He's calling you to that where you are. And it may seem daunting, right? You may be like, me? Are you sure? Like, uh, what a joke. Not me, though. And what you need to see is that in the hands of Jesus, the impossible happens. In the hands of Jesus, the most unlikely people become God's instruments. So uh, if that's you, quit waiting to be qualified. Jesus isn't worried about that. You're free to, like, God wants to use you in the midst of your weakness, in the midst of your doubts, in the midst of your questions. And if it's God at at work, then it doesn't depend on you being so great. Uh, If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, first of all, really glad you're here. Thanks for coming. 
uh, you're always welcome here. And I just want you to notice the main qualification to be used by God is to be inadequate. Contrary to what most people will tell you, what the Bible teaches is that God uh, chooses the inadequate, the broken, the messed up people to use, not the people who get their act together. Um, So uh, Jesus offers the freedom to be inadequate, but the second thing he offers in this text that we see him offering is the care of a faithful shepherd. And verse 34 is amazing. It's this amazing description of Jesus Uh, The disciples' hearts are sinking as they see this crowd. They're like, oh no, more people to serve. These people. And it says that Jesus had compassion on the crowd because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Okay, just like we're talking about 5,000 people that are difficult to love. These are people that don't get Jesus. These are people that really just want to see a show. Or a lot of them think that Jesus is going to be this like king that uh, conquers Rome or something like that. So they're really off base. And, the, and yet Jesus looks at these people that the disciples are annoyed by and we would be annoyed by too. He has compassion on them. And the reason he has compassion, he doesn't say, oh, they're so annoying. But he says, oh, they're like sheep without a shepherd. I can shepherd them. And you just need to know that that's what Jesus is like. When Jesus thinks about you in the midst of you screwing things up, he doesn't say, oh, what a screw up. He says, oh, I could shepherd them, though. I have compassion on them because I want to be their shepherd. And through a And so he goes and teaches them, and through a great miracle, he's able to care for all 5,000 of them that are there. But the detail you can't miss is that Jesus cares just as deeply and provides even more greatly for his 12 disciples that are serving the crowd. Did you notice how many baskets they picked up at the end? 12 baskets full of food. It's not a coincidence that there's 12 disciples there helping Jesus that day. You see what's happening there? Each hungry disciple who has served, even though they were tired and hungry, ends up with each with a big basket of food to fill them up. All right, in our world today, uh, the value, values are totally different from uh, Jesus' economy. In our world, you work your way up to a point where you, don't, you have fewer needs. Uh, you're more independent. Uh, you know, the higher you get, the more independent you're supposed to be. And after a while, you start asking for help, and you just start earning your keep. You know, think about a company or an organization. Uh, you work your way up uh, to the point where you're independent, not where you're like, needing other people and stuff like that. But the longtime disciple, the longtime follower of Jesus, what you need to see here is that no matter who you are in Jesus' kingdom, you're dependent on him. Just as depend, you know, these disciples are just as dependent on Jesus to feed them as these like annoying crowd of people are. And Jesus shows the compassionate care of a shepherd even to these disciples that have been with him, that have done things that are amazing, like heal the sick. As we serve, as we step out and take on responsibilities for Jesus, what we can't forget is that we, we, 
we don't stop being cared for by Jesus. Whether you've been a Christian for 10 minutes or 100 years, you don't stop being cared for by the shepherd. His loving care will not stop. And unless you see yourself as a sheep, your service probably won't really amount to much, but Jesus is compassionate and gentle, even with those that have been his servants for a long time, uh, even uh, those that are in places of great responsibility. So how does Jesus provide for us uh, that we might follow him today? How can he use us? And we're going to get to the last thing that he gives us here, which is true rest in his work. Uh, you look at verse 41, this is kind of where the miracle takes place in the story. And it says, uh, there's three verbs in this verse. It says, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. And if you read all of Mark, you know, if you were to go to the end of Mark, uh, you would realize that this miracle isn't just about feeding 5,000 people. It's not like a neat miracle, but it actually points to how Jesus will feed and provide for all of his people forever. Because uh, if you flip ahead to Mark chapter 14, so the end of the gospel, on the night that Jesus is betrayed, as he gathers his disciples one last time before he gets arrested and heads to the cross, he prepares a meal for them to show the disciples what his de- he's, that he's going to die. And this is what his death really means. And in Mark chapter 14, it says these same verbs again. It says he blessed, he takes bread, and he blessed, he broke He blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave it to his disciples. And he says, this is my body, which is for you. And the next day, he goes to the cross where he's torn apart. This is not just a cool miracle. This is a pointer to the ultimate miracle, which is Christ's life in exchange for our life. Loving Jesus with all our hearts and serving him with all our strength and enduring difficulty for him will only make sense if you feed on this truth that he is torn apart to be with you. He's a good shepherd. And the food you get, do you see what the the Last Supper means in this story, in light of this story? The food you get, the reward you get, is him. To be with the one you were made for, for eternity. To have ultimate security. To have ultimate acceptance. To be known and loved, truly. It doesn't matter, matter how confident you are, or how skilled you are, or how enthusiastic you are. Because Jesus did all that for you. It's not about what you bring to the table. Jesus has already brought a feast to the table, and the feast is him. He says, come and have me. I give myself for you. God already demanded everything of Jesus, and Jesus withstood. So instead of saying, come follow me and earn your keep, Jesus says, come follow me, bring your crumbs. And we'll draw the world in to come know who God truly is. And we'll enjoy him forever. That's the kind of work I want to be a part of. That's the kind of work that I will be tired and still do. Because it's the only thing that matters. 
That's the kind of God that's worth serving because it's a God who loves, truly. So I want to close by praying that God would make us into those people. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, would you continue drawing us in to serve you with our whole lives? Uh, Would you show us more of Jesus uh, so that we would be transformed and changed? Uh, Would you help us to know uh, that Jesus welcomes inadequate people, uh, that you uh, are a good shepherd, and you offer true rest? Uh, We pray that that would change us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.